Genesis, first book of the Bible. And whenever I'm preaching over the next couple of months, uh, it's going to be about twice a month, um, we'll be in Genesis chapters 1 to 3, and we'll be working, God willing, up till June, just in those three chapters, because we live in an age of confusion. And in order to, to, to find clarity in an age of confusion, we need to go back to the beginning. And that's what we want to do as a congregation, to go back to the beginning, to the book of beginnings, and to look at the, the, the opening chapters of Genesis, um, of the book of Genesis. If you were here with us last week, we were introduced to the Creator, and we noticed that He is the only eternal, sovereign, and loving Creator. And this week, we're going to consider the Creator's creation, a creation that declares the glory of God. It is described in Genesis chapter 1. So let's take time in our service to read that whole chapter together. Let's read Genesis 1, beginning in verse 1. God's Word declares, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and, and darkness was over the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said that the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening And there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created sea creatures, and even living uh, and. And every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kinds, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. 
And God said, let the earth bring living creatures forth according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, God created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird um, of the skies, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold... It was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And thus reads God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that it is still relevant today because it has been given by you, the unchanging God. And Lord, there's so much here in this opening chapter of Genesis to unpack. So, Father, we do ask that by your Spirit you may be gracious to us and help us to understand and apply your word to the praise and honor of your only Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever heard about the seven natural wonders of the world. Have you heard about the seven natural wonders of the world? Yeah, well, on the screen behind me. We have three of these natural wonders of the world. And I wonder if anyone knows what they are. So does anyone know what the left-hand side one is? Don't be shy. The Northern Lights. Hands up if you've been to the Northern Lights in person. Okay, one. Okay, only one person. Hands up if you would maybe like to visit the Northern Lights at some point. Okay, there's a lot more. Okay. Um, just over Christmas there, we got a picture sent um, from Lapland of, of, of the beautiful Northern Lights. And you think that it was, it was touched up online by, uh, by cutters and by paintbrushes because of the intensity of their cutter. And as these lights lightly um, dance across the night sky, people say that they are, they are truly awe-inspiring what about this middle picture? It's a little bit harder. But anyone want to guess? Jimmy. Super Jimmy, awesome. The Great Barrier Reef. Has anybody ever been to the Great Barrier Reef? Okay, we have one, two people again. Does anyone want to go to the Great Barrier Reef? 
Well, I must admit, if I wasn't so scared of big fish in the sea, I would definitely want to go. But as you're learning, I'm scared of everything. So I'm happy enough to just be on the internet and see this massive ecosystem of almost 3,000 reefs, which can be seen from space. It's truly, people say, mind-blowing. What about the final picture? Americans? The Grand Canyon. Has anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah. Are you all American? No. <laughs> well, some of you are, yeah. And I can imagine it is truly breathtaking to look out over this 277-mile-long canyon. And we haven't even mentioned the height of Mount Everest and, and the sound from Victoria Falls. But yet I think we could all agree that we've been enraptured already by considering these natural wonders of the world. And against the popular idea that these wonders were were formed by chance, the Bible, which is the living word of the living God, declares that they were made by our majestic maker. In fact, everything in our universe was created by God and by God alone. We saw this last week in Genesis verses 1 to 2, didn't we? How in just 31 verses... The name God is mentioned 32 times, teaching us that God alone is the only creator. God alone created. God alone said. God alone saw. God alone made. God alone separated. God alone called. And God alone blessed. Friends, God and God alone create the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. And the book of Genesis was originally addressed to, to God's chosen people, the Israelites. And the Bible tells us how God, in a time past, powerfully delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. And the Egyptians worshipped many, many gods. Researching this week, and it's, it's near the thousands of how many gods that they worship, statues upon statues. For example, they believed in Ra the God of the sun, or Khonsu, the God of the moon. Genesis 1, however, makes clear that the sun and the moon were created on the fourth day by the creator. Elsewhere in the Bible, the words sun and moon, well, they're used. But interestingly, in Genesis 1, they're not used. Look at what verse 16 says. And God made the two great lights, The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Obviously, the greater light is, well, the sun and the lesser light is the moon. So why does the author not just use the words sun and moon? Because he wanted to make clear to the Israelites, to the nations and to us today that there are no other gods. The sun and the moon are not divine. Rather, they were created by the only creator. They were not to be served by humans. Rather, they were created with the purpose to serve humans, to serve God's creation on earth. So let me say it again. God and God alone created the universe. Last week, we saw in verse 2 how the earth was without form and void. And Genesis 1 goes on to describe how, 
how the creator formed and filled the unformed and the unfilled earth in six days. You can see this clearly in the table displayed behind me. On day one, God formed the light and the darkness. And then on day four, he filled them with sun, moon, and stars. On day two, God formed the waters and the sky. And then on day five, he filled them with fish and with birds. On day three, God formed uh, uh, the land and vegetation. And then on day six, he filled them with land animals and humans and gave the vegetation to them to eat. It's, It's a beautiful narrative of forming and filling. And yet again, Genesis 1 teaches us that the creator perfectly formed and beautifully filled his creation. And when we look at the description of the, creation, uh, of the creator's creation here, and for that matter, when we look at creation itself, we, we learn various truths about our creator. And sadly, these truths are often missed because our modern minds are more concerned about scientific speculation than theological truth. There's a writer from Great Britain who makes this exact point. It's on, the word, on, it's on the screen behind me. He writes, the Bible versus science debate has most regrettably sidetracked readers of Genesis 1. Instead of reading the, the chapter as a triumphant affirmation of the power and wisdom of God and the wonder of his creation, we have been too often bogged down in attempting to squeeze scripture into the mold of the latest scientific hypothesis or distorting scientific facts to fit a particular interpretation. Sound familiar, doesn't it? And yet with that said, for, for, for many people in the West, including some of you in this room today, you need at least a part of the science acknowledged before you will even begin to entertain the Bible. And to you, I want to say that, that, that the account of, of creation described in Genesis offers biblically warranted explanations of the scientific data, which are also intellectually possible. Let me say that again. Genesis 1 and 2 offers biblically warranted explanations of the scientific data, which are also intellectually plausible. So that means don't outright dismiss it. Don't outright say, I'm not going to consider it. It's just an old book made up with fairy tales. No, come to the evidence as you would go to any other evidence and let it speak for itself. And this is particularly true when, when, when we're dealing with the days as recorded in Genesis 1. Now, since this is a sermon, it's not the time or the context, and I don't have the expertise to provide all of the overviews of the various explanations Instead, I simply want to point you to a web page with a list of 10 views, which I quote, attempt to explain how Genesis 1 to 2 relates to claims about origins from mainstream science. So take out your phone, scan that if you want to while I continue talking, and that's going to give you evangelical point of view of 10 views which attempt to explain how Genesis 1 to 2 relates to claims about origins from mainstream science. And for those who are interested, after researching the various positions over the past weeks, I personally 
I'm still convinced that God created a mature universe in six literal days. I believe that this is the most natural reading of the creation account described in Genesis, especially given the phrase, and there was evening and there was morning, a numbered day. It has also been the, the predominant view, hasn't been the only view, but it's been the predominant view throughout church history. And yes, I acknowledge there are various shortcomings with this understanding, but I think that they can be explained both biblically and scientifically. I also believe, however, that a Christian can hold a different position and be able to faithfully support their position using the Bible. So let me encourage you then to research yourself and come to your own convictions. I'm more than happy to share more afterwards of why I have taken a more literal interpretation. And I'm more than happy to listen to your, uh, to, to your position and, and to chat as we seek to understand God's word together. So let me encourage you to research yourself and come to your own convictions. And as you seek to deal with the days in Genesis 1, I would also encourage you to remember the following four principles. The following four principles on the screen behind me. Number one, God alone created everything by his word. This is the clear message of Genesis chapter one and the whole Bible that God is the only sovereign creator who created the universe out of nothing. Therefore, any theory that denies that God created the world by his word must be rejected from a biblical point of view. Truth number two, scripture is always before science. As Bible-believing Christians, we believe that the Bible is, is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice because it is the written and true word of the living and faithful God. Although science like, like tradition and experience is helpful, it's not our final authority. Therefore, as one writer says, if science contradicts what scripture clearly teaches, the conclusions of science must be rejected. Number three, science can be wrong. And this may surprise some people because the impression is given today that that science does not err. However, scientists propose theories precisely because the conclusions they offer may change as more evidence is discovered. This has been true for physics and for planets, and even more recently for disease prevention. Interestingly, this week, uh, every time I get into bed, I, I just scan down the news again, and there was, there was this uh, news uh, coming out of Britain that this PhD student has found some evidence of something in the universe that questions our current understanding of the universe. For my mind, I read a little bit, didn't really understand it, went to sleep, but it backing up this point. Science can be wrong. And at the same time, truth number four, our interpretation of scripture can be wrong. Please note, I'm not saying that the Bible is wrong. No, it is the perfect word of our perfect God. But I am acknowledging that the scientific data may cause us to reconsider our understanding on a a particular subject to then find out that the Bible actually has taught what science has just discovered classic example of this is Galileo. Galileo was condemned by the Roman Catholic Church for for teaching that that the sun, not the earth, was the center of our solar system. 
And later, however, theologians discovered that the Bible already confirmed his theory. The Bible wasn't wrong, but an interpretation of it was. Friends, scientists are not perfect in knowledge. Neither are theologians. God alone is perfect in knowledge. So we must take his revealed word seriously. And I believe that these four principles will help us to do just that. Now, that's enough for today about the days. So let's return to the focus of Genesis chapter 1 and notice two truths, two truths about the creator's creation. Now, there are more than two truths revealed in the narrative. I had three, but I didn't want to preach for an hour. So two truths revealed in the narrative that we can consider today. Truth number one, God created everything by his powerful word. Look at how Genesis 1 verse 3 begins. And God said, the only eternal, sovereign, and loving God introduced in verses 1 to 2 is now revealed to us as a speaking God. Hello, statues, sex, and salaries control the lives of of many people in the West, these gods cannot speak. Why? Because there is only one true God, and he is a speaking God. Genesis 1 emphasizes this by, uh, by telling us over and over again, in fact, 10 times that phrase, and God said. We also read about God blessing his creatures and commanding them to be fruitful and multiply the sea creatures and the birds, and, and the birds, for example, in verse 22, and then humankind in verse 28. The rest of the Old Testament then goes on to describe how God spoke in many ways and at many times through his prophets. The New Testament then reveals that God spoke finally and fully through his son, Jesus. Friends, the Bible records the words and actions of our speaking God who has spoken in history. Therefore, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. What did God say in Genesis 1 verse 3? Well, read it with me. And God said, let there be light. Now, if, if you were to go home today, and close all of your shutters, and turn off all of your lights, and then in the darkness say, let there be light, what do you think would happen? Nothing. Your kids would think you're crazy. Why? Because you can't speak light into the darkness. And yet that's exactly what God did on day one. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God's word is powerful because God himself is powerful. Light didn't, it didn't flicker and then disappear into the darkness. Rather, God brought light into existence through his powerful word. Notice that light came forth when God commanded light to come forth. Not darkness, but light. God's word didn't malfunction or stutter, rather it powerfully, effectively, and immediately accomplished what God decreed. The same was true on day two. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and it was so. Same was true on day three, 
and day four and day five and day six. Every day begins with a word from the creator, God said, which is immediately followed by a reaction from his creation. And it was so. Undeniably, God created everything by his powerful word. This truth then rejects the theory of evolution and also seriously questions so-called theistic evolution. And kids, this is so important for you to hear because, because in school, you're only gonna hear that, that our universe came into the universe by a big bang almost 14 billion years ago and that everything else in our world came about by a random process over a very, very long period of time. The written word of our speaking God tells us, however, that God created everything as it is by his powerful word and he created everything with a purpose. God created swimming things and flying things according to their kinds. God created moving things and creeping things according to their kinds. God created everything as it is by his powerful word. That's why the psalmist shouts for joy in Psalm 33, verses six and nine, because by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. Most of the world denies this truth because their eyes are blinded by their sin. As Christians, however, we know this truth because God in his grace and by his grace alone has opened our eyes so that by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse three. I said earlier that God's word is powerful because God himself is powerful. And, and Genesis one puts God's power on display over and above everything and everyone against the claims of ancient kings Verses 5, 8, and 10 describe how God named everything because he owns everything. Against the fears of the Israelites, verse 21 declares that God created the great sea monsters so that even the greatest of the sea is a rubber duck in God's bathtub. And against the theories of today, Genesis 1 declares that God, by his powerful word, purposefully created everything out of nothing. Friends, God's word is powerful because God himself is powerful. And since he is the eternal creator, last week's sermon, he is still the powerful creator. Therefore, therefore, you can depend upon him no matter what situation you face. Whether you face cancer or criticism, depression or death, unemployment or uncertainty, indwelling sin or an ongoing struggle. You can know that our powerful creator, if it be according to his will, can instantly change your situation by his powerful word. So trust him with, with whatever you're facing today and ask him day by day to help you. We saw this last week, didn't we, from the Psalms, where the Psalm says, I look up to the hills, 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul quotes from from Genesis chapter 1 to remind us that God not only creates physical life, but he also creates spiritual life. Listen to what Paul says. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you see how amazing that is? And what an encouragement that is. What an amazing encouragement this is to to continue praying for our unsaved loved ones and sharing the gospel with them. They may have banned any talk of Jesus and their lifestyle may bring you to tears. But do not lose heart because God in a second, in an instant, can create spiritual life in them. By his powerful word, God God can cause your spouse, your child, your friend, and your neighbor to to immediately repent of their sins and believe in Jesus, the Savior of the world. And if you're not a Christian, someone who trusts Jesus as your only Savior and submits to him as your only Lord, then this truth ought to encourage you that you too are not a lost cause. Your life is not beyond repair. Yes, you may have done terrible things in your life, things that you are are ashamed of, things that no one else knows about you. And yet the Bible tells us that God knows everything and he has the power to forgive anything. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is too hard for him. And he says that, that, that through faith in Jesus Christ, he will remove all of your guilt and take away, lift off that heavy burden that you have. So respond to him today, to the powerful creator today, by, by turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus alone. The one who brought light into the darkness right there in the beginning is willing to bring his light into the darkness of your life today. So will you believe in his son, Jesus, so that you may become a child of the light? And that's what it means, this truth. That's what truth number one means, that God created everything by his powerful word. We see a second truth, again, not, not the only truths there, but a second and final truth in Genesis 1, that God created everything perfect. God created everything perfect. After creating light on the first day, we're told in verse 4 that God reflected on what he had created and declared that it was good. And we see this pattern throughout the narrative. We are told that God saw that his creation was good. In fact, on day six, on the last day, God reflected on everything that he had created and concluded that everything was very good. From matter to man, God created everything perfect. That word good has different meanings in the original, as it does in English. If I say my wife is a, is a good person, I'm referring to her behavior. But if I say that Mary looks good, I'm referring to her beauty. 
Both meanings are true of God's original creation. Let's take a look at both meanings separately. First, Genesis 1 reveals that, that God created the world morally good. Notice that, that God decreed that it was good, i.e., the, the sovereign creator is the sovereign judge. He is the one who declares what is good and what is wrong. And after God created the universe in six days, everything functions perfectly. There were no groans from his creation in the form of natural disasters, and everything looked bright and beautiful. The creation account tells us that there was also no evil. Genesis 2 describes how the first man had a, had a perfect relationship with the rest of creation. All the creatures were brought before him and he named them. Adam and Eve also had a, had, a, had a perfect relationship with one another. They loved and cared for one another. And most importantly, Adam and Eve had a, had a perfect relationship with their creator. They walked and they talked with him in the garden. Truly, it was paradise because God created everything perfect. There's a problem though, isn't there? Because we live in God's creation right now, but it is far from perfect. The world around us is broken and it is full of broken people. So is God lying in Genesis 1? What happened to this good creation? Well, the story continues. We'll come to it in a couple of months, God willing. Genesis 3 tells us that Adam and Eve, the first humans, disobeyed God's command when they took from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. And as a result of their disobedience, no one in the Bible has sinned. They immediately died spiritually and God's good creation was spoiled. Because Adam and Eve rebelled against God, their relationship with the land was ruined and their relationship with each other was ruined, all because their perfect relationship with their creator was ruined. And because of their original sin, the Bible says that everyone is born a spiritually dead sinner under the righteous wrath of Almighty God. So the good news of creation in Genesis 1 to 2 gives way to the bad news of sin in Genesis 3. The story's not finished, though. It continues with another 1,186 chapters, 1,186 chapters that describe how the creator loves his creation and promises to renew his creation. And it is a promise based and, 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 and founded entirely upon the salvation that God has promised through his son, Jesus. You see, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. So God lovingly sent his one and only son into the world to deal with our heart problem. During his life, Jesus reversed the curse by, by performing miracles. He restored the sight of the blind. He, 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 he commanded the lame to get up and walk and he raised the dead. Then on the cross, Jesus took the place of his people and endured the full wrath of God coming against their sin. 
But he didn't stay dead because the Bible tells us that three days later, he rose victoriously from the grave, demonstrating that he has defeated sin and death and the devil forever. And friends, Jesus has won the victory. Sin has been defeated. And since sin has been defeated on the cross, creation has been delivered. A truth that we will one day see with our eyes. And like creation, you too can be delivered from sin's power. How? By believing in Jesus, the one who has loved you and gave his life for you. So again, if you're not a Christian today, a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus, come to him. God, through his powerful word, calls you to respond by by repenting from your sin, turning 180 degrees away from your life of sin and throwing yourself completely upon his finished work on the cross through his son, Jesus. God calls you to respond to the one who has conquered sin forever, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So come today, come today and experience a new life. But we also said that word good takes a a second meaning. Genesis 1 reveals that that God created the world with beautiful variety. He created plants that produce seed and he created trees that produce fruit with seed. He created swimming things, flying things and creeping things. We're told in day six how, how he created domesticated animals and wild animals. Was well, a man created that. God created them. The cow and the pig and the lion and the leopard. God created them all. In chapter two, which we'll come to again in a couple of months, God willing, we're told how God created a beautiful land for Adam. The Garden of Eden, according to chapter two, verse nine, had trees with good food, same word, but they were also pleasant to the sight. The land itself, we're told, was rich with minerals and had good gold. Friends, God could have created everything with one color and of one substance, but he didn't. Our creator took pleasure in creating all things bright and beautiful. And throughout history, many religions and movements have taught that the physical creation is evil so it should be rejected. Why do they teach that? Because they're, they're going against their creator. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a couple of weeks. But today, this is most clearly seen in the, in the transgender movement, which, which separates one's physical features from one's emotional feelings. There's a, there's a difference between the physical and the spiritual, the feelings. One is regarded as good to be prioritized and one is regarded as evil, um, like an uh, uh, evil entrance to the world that needs to be rejected. 
And as a result, the movement encourages people to reject their God-given gender, which, by the way, was created and declared good, not by man, but by God on the sixth day. And yet as Christians, we can and should embrace enjoy and explore creation to its fullest within God's set boundaries because he has created it good. Yes, creation has been ruined by the fall, but when we know the good creator, we can enjoy everything that he has created good. The Apostle Paul makes that exact argument in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4. He says that people say about marriage is wrong and foods are wrong. And he says, no, God has created it good. So receive it with thanksgiving as good. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Therefore, fellow Christians, let's enjoy God's good creation. Is enjoy it within God's set boundaries to the praise of his glory alone. It's godly to abstain from, from the things of this world. And it's, it's also godly to enjoy the things that God has created good in our world. So go see the seven natural wonders of the world and be in awe of what God has created. Go and taste other foods and give thanks to the one who has made them. Go out and try different sports and rejoice that God has created our physical bodies in such a, such a profound way. Genesis 1 reminds us that God created all things bright and beautiful. He created everything, everything perfect. And ultimately creation And the creation account points us to the creator. So as I've already said, if we miss him by dealing with the days or or the ages or or what happened on day three compared to day one, all which is helpful and productive, really, really interesting. But if we look at all of that and we miss him, we've got it all wrong. Genesis 1 introduces us to the only eternal, sovereign, and loving creator and teaches us that he has created everything by his powerful word and he has created everything good. So let me encourage us then to join with all of creation and to praise our creator who made the heavens, the heavens of the heavens, the earth, and all that is in it. To him alone be the glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your help given to us this morning. Thank you that you are the sovereign creator of this this world. We thank you that by your powerful word, you created everything out of nothing. Lord, we thank you that you have created your creation good. You created it beautiful, You created it in such a way that that the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies above declare your handiwork. So Father, as we go into the day, as we journey this week and into this year too, help us to take time as we look at your creation to ultimately sing praises to you. Lord, we do confess that we at one time were blinded to these truths 
But we thank you that you have made them known to us through your son, Jesus. We thank you that he is the one who has conquered sin and death and the devil forever. And we thank you that because of him and by his Holy Spirit, he has opened many of our eyes to understand by faith that you created the world out of nothing. But Lord, for those in our room who are still blinded by sin, still under uh, the control of, of the devil, Lord, we ask that by your powerful word, today you will immediately and effectively transform their lives. And for the lives of our loved ones, family members, friends, work colleagues, neighbors who are, who are still in the darkness, oh God, we do pray that you would help us not to lose heart, but to continue to ask you to speak your light into their darkness, that they may come to bow at the feet of the light of the world and become children of the light. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Well, let's uh, respond together by standing and singing. Let's sing together. It's going to be up there. A reminder in 10 minutes, parents, and for anyone who's interested in baptism, please come up to the room upstairs. For River Group leaders and those who have helped out, uh, lunch is going to... And anyone who's interested in helping by leading in the future, please uh, remain around. Lunch will be about one o'clock. We're going to have pizzas and reflect on the past year. For the rest of you, just a cup of coffee right there. Please enjoy that. But if you have to leave on, let me uh, leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul, who says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him alone be the glory forever. And we all said, Amen.